letters seventeen to eighteen of the history of lady barton this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c the history of lady barton by elizabeth griffiths letters seventeen to eighteen from lady barton to miss cleveland letter seventeen southfield january first i have this moment received my dear fanny's last letter though from the date i think i should have been in possession of it much sooner but perhaps sir william detained it on purpose to deliver it to me on this day as knowing it to be the most agreeable new year's gift he could have presented me with in return then my fanny accept my thanks and fervent prayer for your happiness but i have something more substantial than wishes to contribute towards it for i can with truth inform you that the little time i have spent here has passed away much more agreeably than any that has elapsed since i left dover street to a mind not perfectly at ease there is something extremely pleasing in the quietness of the country it is like that artificial repose which is acquired by opiates after long watching like that too though it neither strengthens nor nourishes it allows us time to recover our faculties which are often as much harassed by living constantly in the midst of crowds as our nerves are by an acute disease i am very glad to find that sir william loves the country and is particularly fond of this place where nature seems to have exerted her utmost powers to please if it is charming now when stripped of all its ornaments think what it will be when summer shall redeck it in its leafy pride and spread her gorgeous carpet o'er the plains i look forward with delight to the happy era of your arrival here which i hope will be early in spring and as the irish parliament meet but every second winter i propose spending the intermediate time of their recess in this sweet retirement with my fanny my harriet my books music drawing planning planting and perhaps there may be a little interloper who will i trust increase both our pleasures and employments my lucy too will be near if not with us for colonel waters house is about five miles from hence and everything seems in great forwardness for his marriage with mrs leighton i begin to flatter myself that he is really in love with the lady he is going to marry for he talks of her incessantly yet lucy has remarked 
that he spends more of his time here than at mr usher's where mrs leighton is now upon a visit though that is two miles nearer to waltersboro that is the name of his seat than this he is to give a magnificent ball at his house next week he asked me last night to dance with him on that occasion which i refused as i thought he ought to shrew every mark of attention to his future bride i shall not however dance with any other person not so much on his account as for a reason i have hinted at above i fear you will chide me for not having mentioned my present situation to sir william as it is natural to suppose it would give him pleasure and i indeed i wish to do so but there is something so indelicate in his matter of treating this subject that i have not yet been able to prevail upon myself to speak of it to him lord lucen has been absent from us some days on a visit to sir arthur ashford they are both expected here this evening i have great pleasure in observing that lord lucen is vastly more cheerful and seemingly at his ease than he was before we left dublin indeed i think we are all so which serves to illustrate your favourite opinion as well as the latter part of your last letter that air exercise and change of objects are of infinite use both to the mind and body from my not mentioning my brother till now do not conclude that i have for a moment forgotten him or his griefs they will live together in my memory to the last period of my existence i cannot conceive why mrs colville should wish to see sir george as she must be conscious of having done him an irreparable injury and sure there is nothing on earth so formidable as the sight of a person we have wronged yet i earnestly wish that he knew his dahlia's request as the being it would afford him a very high though a melancholy pleasure sad luxury to vulgar minds unknown i wish too with you that he would go abroad do my fanny set him to search for your wanderer on the continent and in the meantime do you take sanctuary in this island which boasts a privilege of being free from all noisome animals you may therefore at least promise yourself safety if not delight among us i am sorry for the change you mention in mary granville her charming vivacity would i hoped have assisted you in keeping up your spirits under the treble pressure of my brothers mine and your own distresses which i begin to fear will soon outweigh ours for i think that even the death of the object of our affections is more supportable 
than their unkindness this hint is meant to arm you for i confess that lord hume's silence has made me think he is in the high road of inconstancy and i do most earnestly wish that you would endeavour to forget him and be happy i have my dearest sister at your request most seriously examined my heart and will candidly acquaint you with its real situation tis free from love and thence in all its danger oh why am i debarred the chaste indulgence of a virtuous passion why must a heart that overflows with tenderness have all its currents damned like a poor river forced from its natural course am i to blame if it should steal away in useless nay improper channels but hitherto my sister all is safe the man i most esteem i have no passion for nor feel a fonder warmth on mentioning his name than my dear brothers this surely is an innocent affection had i been his wife but you have warned me not even to hazard much less indulge such thoughts harriet is vastly happy at your predilection for her and bids me offer you the second place in her heart she kindly and i believe at present truly says i occupy the first yours is i think likely to be the most permanent station as i shall have many rivals to contend for mine and happy will he be who shall displace me lucy who came hither with me is this day gone to pay her respects to her aunt at mr usher's we are to meet them at waltersborough next monday and she is then to return with me to southfield where we have alas but a very few days to spend before we set out for dublin i shall truly regret the changing of the scene but must obey sir william returns his affectionate compliments to my brother and you and was kind enough to say he wished you would both come over and see how we live here what is still more extraordinary he seemed both surprised and concerned when i told him of our dear dahlia's death for he is sometimes tender when he is off his guard so that i often flatter myself that tis rather his manners which are harsh and not his nature hard you see how i strive to soothe myself and plead for him he says he cannot be persuaded that she could die in three days unless it were of a french physician sir arthur ashford his sister and lord lucan are this moment arrived i have never seen the lady but i hear she is extremely handsome grant heaven that lord lucan may think so now fanny 
you can have no doubts or fears adieu my sister l barton letter eighteen report does not always exaggerate miss ashford is really beautiful the ladies of this country are in general remarkably fair but the whiteness of her skin surpasses any that i have ever seen her eyes are dark hazel her hair jet black which forms such a contrast to her neck and forehead as images shakespeare's simile fairer than snow upon a raven's back she is tall and thin and though not elegantly made appears perfectly genteel while she sits still but the moment she is thrown into motion or emotion she ceases to be lovely a something more than want of grace accompanies her action and every moment of her head or hands seems performed in opposition to nature in short she is the only young person i have ever seen whom vivacity does not become she seems sensible mild good-natured and in every respect qualified for making an amiable figure in still life i am much pleased to find that sir william is extremely hospitable to his country neighbours and likes to have company in his house this tendency may doubtless be attended with some inconveniences which i had rather submit to than live unknown and unloved among one's tenants and dependents it is their industry and labour which supports our affluence and they certainly have a right to a certain share in our enjoyments in proportion to their rank and situation an accident that happened this morning had liked to have triumphed over sir william's good humour which is not of the invincible kind as we sat at breakfast in a room that looks into the garden i observed miss ashford's eyes fixed on a particular object in the walk before us i thought she seemed surprised and i naturally directed a look of inquiry to discover the occasion which was a little basket that appeared to move though gently of itself the moment i mentioned this circumstance the gentleman came to the window and lord lucan flew directly into the garden and explained the phenomenon by bringing the basket and its contents into the parlour which was an infant about a week old clean though poorly clad with a paper pinned to its breast which said this child has been baptized by its father's name william this circumstance disconcerted sir william who after many unnecessary asseverations of his innocence upon this occasion at which the whole company smiled as they knew that he had been above a year out of the kingdom determined to prove his virtue at the expense of his humanity by ordering the child to be again left in the garden where it was found 
till the parish officers should come to take charge of it and by commanding a strict search to be made for the mother that she might be punished according to law we all opposed the severity of this resolution as the poor infant appeared almost perished with cold and hunger but sir william perished but sir william persisted in acting like an upright magistrate according to the letter of the law till lord lucan declared that he was ready to adopt the little foundling and promised to take care of it for life though his name was thomas sir william then relaxed a little of his austerity and gave vent to the remainder of it by attacking lord lucan with all the coarse raillery usual upon such occasions i confess i was pleased with this instance of his lordship's humanity i have seen many others even in the short term of our acquaintance yet at this instant i could wish to have robbed him of this little act of benevolence and have transferred it to sir william there is a secret and involuntary sympathy that attaches us to generous minds our affections are insensibly riveted by esteem and in that case we may defy even the power of time to break the charming tie oh why am i not bound in such a chain though you will see by my letter that i had nothing to say when i began to write yet as it is probable that i shall not have half an hour's leisure for some days to come i have devoted the present moment to convince my fanny that she is never absent for my thoughts to inquire after hers and sir george's health and to assure her of the sincerest regard of her ever affectionate l barton end of letters seventeen to eighteen recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c